Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. Conversations with people throughout the world of sports. Today's is an expert in the NBA as well as college and even the grassroots scene because information and intel on prospects is so important these days. Matt Babcock, you may know the name. Babcocks are amongst royalty in the NBA. People uh, follow the NBA closely know Dave, Pete, amongst others. Uh, Matt, currently, after serving some time as an agent, doing some tremendous draft analysis work, uh, which I look forward to hearing more about uh, the work that he's doing. So, Matt, thanks for joining. Appreciate taking some time today. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. No, I I mean those wholeheartedly. I've uh, I've got to know your Uncle Pete well. He drafted me in the NBA, and every time I've come across – uh, your family members, whether it's Dave, your father, or other guys, they've been they've been uh, very welcoming and, and helping me kind of understand the NBA life as I was kind of coming through it. So thank you. So I mentioned in the intro, you've held a number of different positions in the world of professional basketball, and one of the things that kind of caught my eye when I was, you know, following you on social media and then kind of doing a little research preparing for for our conversation was, you spent a lot of time as an agent. Um, be, and that's interesting to me because on the flip side, a lot of your family members were in front office management, making decisions on who to draft as players or make trades for or sign as free agents. How did you get into the agent business? Well, um, you know, it, it sort of happened organically, you know, growing up in my family, I, I always thought I was going to follow in their footsteps, whether that be coaching or scouting front office. And uh, when I was a walk-on at the University of Arizona. And when I finished up, I, I knew I wanted to work in basketball, but I was really just kind of looking for my first, uh, my first opportunity. Uh, my first opportunity was, uh, was with Wasserman Media Group. I still wanted to be a coach. They, they had me work with Dave Yeager, who was a D-League coach at the time. Uh, we did all of their pre-draft workouts. I think we had like seven first-round picks. It was just a great opportunity, but it was just a summer internship. Uh, from there, I took a, an assistant coaching position with Virtus Bologna in Italy. Uh, I was 23 years old, uh, assistant coach for guy, you know, Travis Best was one of our players. He was like 35 years old. It was, it was sort of a fun experience. And uh, long story short, got, got, got a little homesick and just being a young guy in, in a foreign country by myself. And I had an opportunity uh, to take a job with Excel Sports Management, another you know big sports agency, uh, and they wanted to groom me to be an agent, and so I went for it. And uh, you know, one thing led to another. I ended up working for a number of agencies, uh, represented. I mean, you know, I think over a hundred players at one point or another had, had my own agency, uh, and uh, yeah, just just sort of fell into it. My 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 family gave me a hard time. My uncle Pete always joked that I, that I went to the dark side, and 
um, he was he was kind of right. And so uh, over time, I decided I want to get back close to my roots and, and got, got got out and um, got into scouting and, and kind of fell into the, the the media business. You mentioned Virtus Bologna. Um, you coached there for a year. Um, I was negotiating out a contract years ago to play for them and it never came to fruition. I ended up playing signing a short deal with Avellino before getting injured and, and really only lasting about six weeks. Um, European basketball is much different than what people here in the States are used to. Um, but there is it be a, been a ton of influence on that style of play over to the NBA. Maybe I would say the last 10 or 12 years or so with the ball screen offense, with the spacing, uh, with the, the skill of bigs uh, and the value that's placed on that. What did you learn as your time as a coach over there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, Italy was just such a great, great place to live for a young guy. I mean, the food, the culture, the whole deal. And uh, from a basketball standpoint, it, it was pretty eye-opening. There were certain things that, uh, you know, I really had to adjust. I mean, di different defensive rotations and, uh, you know, that, you know, some of the you know, basic concepts that they use uh, were foreign to me. Uh, I love the player development. I, that was the one thing that always attracted me to the coaching was working with players individually. And, uh, you know, in Europe in, in general, they, uh, they just really value, the, you know, just, you know, individual development, uh, the spacing, the pace, a lot, a lot of ball screens, like you mentioned. Uh, and so I, I really liked, I really liked the style of play. And I, I'm, I'm happy to see uh, that American basketball seems to be catching up and, and you know, Europe is, is actually influencing uh, basketball over here. So you mentioned going from Bologna then back to the States and, and kind of getting into that agent business. Um, mentioned also re representing a number of players. So you've represented players that have gone to the NBA, players that have gone to Europe. When, when you're helping a guy prepare for the NBA draft and they're kind of a fringe prospect, they're not a surefire, you know, first round pick, maybe they're borderline second or undrafted. What is the message that you try to prepare them for on draft day, knowing that your experience in Europe was so good? And, and a lot of times guys can carve out a better career in Europe uh, than they can just trying to hang on here in the States? Well, I mean, for one, it, it's it's changed quite a bit with those types of guys. When I, when I first started in the agency business, uh, you know, the D-League was really just kind of get, getting going and there, there wasn't, you know, two-way contracts and affiliate player deals. There wasn't as many roster spots. Uh, and so it usually ended up being a deal where uh, for guys that were fringe, we either wanted a guaranteed contract in the NBA uh, or we we're just, you know, going, going straight to Europe and, and starting to build a, you know, carve out a career there. Uh, and it made it very challenging because guys, you know, always want to scratch the itch and, and see what they see what they were made of. You know, taking taking a training camp deal, which is which is a non guaranteed contract, or at the time playing in the D League for, you know, for chump change. I mean, it was nothing, and uh, and, and so that was challenging. Um, you know, nowadays there's a lot more ways of getting getting into the NBA. You know, it, it was kind of you know scratching your way in, uh, and, and so it's uh, you know, like I said, it's changed quite a bit, but. Uh, one, one thing I always stress to guys, and I still do, you know, guys that I just loosely advise, uh, not, you know, not formally, is, uh, you know, when you do go to Europe, there, there's always going to be somewhat of a protocol, a process of developing your credibility over there as well. So, you know, I fully understand scratching the itch and, and seeing, seeing if you've got what it takes to, to stick in the NBA. Uh, but at a certain point, you're going to need to turn the page and, and kind of recreate yourself, you know, across the, across the water. That was probably one of my hard parts uh, of kind of really making that jump to go over to Europe. Um, you know, you kind of have to learn all new way of playing. You have to learn, you know, how 
the team dynamics work in the European game is so much different. You also have to understand the the lifestyle and the travel is much different in the NBA. Uh, have you ever had any uh, clients that it once they got over there, you knew it wasn't going to last, and you started kind of figuring out, hey, what what are our next steps to maybe get them back to the states into a G League uh, opportunity that fits them best? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is a big reason that that uh, European team and international teams are hesitant with rookies. So, some guys just aren't ready, you know, for for the the culture shock and. You know, are, are used to being the, the the star on a big college campus, and so it's just it, it happens quite a bit. Uh, and, and you know, unfortunately for me, my time as an agent, you know, the, the G League wasn't that great, and I, I really wasn't a big fan of it. And uh, I remember uh, the the the, um, the president of the G League was always on me about sending my guys. I was like, hey, you know, you need to start paying them, otherwise I'm going to keep sending them overseas. And you know, and it really was a you know, it, it had a model where it was certain guys, if, if they weren't, you know, prepared to be, be players overseas, they probably weren't going to work with me for very long because I, I didn't see a business model for myself representing a bunch of guys in the G League making $20,000 with no agent fees, make, making sense for anybody. Uh, and, and so, it's uh, again, I, I'm glad to see that guys have more options. If they don't want to, you know, leave home for whatever reason, they can play here and make some decent money. Explain to us the the difference in a European pro contract versus an NBA or a G League contract. Because if I remember right, when I played uh, in Europe, in that was a while ago now, but <laughs> dating myself. But uh, people are always curious about how the taxes work there and how uh, you know you hear a number. Is that really what the number is? And then I remember something. Uh, image payments are, are tied into your contract to help with marketing dollars to keep a team in line with what their proposed budget may be. How is a typical European contract structured? You know, it's uh, I mean, there's a million different things I could list off here. I, I think generally speaking, uh, you know, with the NBA and the G League, I mean, they're pretty standard contracts. Obviously, there, there's there's a number of things you negotiate, uh, you know, money, guaranteed money, bonuses, uh, you know, injury, you know, any any kind of language addressing pre-existing injuries. Those are the big things with with NBA and G League contracts, um, internationally, I mean, there, there's so much more flexibility. I, I, there's, you know, I, I used to prefer to write my contracts from scratch, so that way I just knew exactly how, how they were structured, and if we had issues, I, I could go, you know, directly to it because I wrote it. Um, you know, as far as the taxes go, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation, you know, because it's 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 not taxable income because the the teams pay the taxes internationally. Uh, it's a big misconception, at least from my understanding, is a lot of American players uh, don't file their taxes when they come home. You know, everybody needs to file their taxes, you know, and so <laughs> it's kind of one of those things like, you know, I'm not I'm not a financial advisor. So I, I always, you know, strategically kind of kept myself at arm's length from that stuff, you know, in, in case uh, you know things went awry. But um, yeah, you know, for the most part, guys go over there, all their expenses are covered and they, they don't get taxed twice. And so they, they do get major tax tax breaks. I want to take a moment to tell you about some exciting news for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more. 
the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans. With coverage from reporters Todd Millis and Andy Bueller, me, Dan Dickow, SB Live's recruiting expert, this SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. So you've spent a, a large portion um, as an agent representing, as we've talked about, NBA and European guys. You're now kind of in a in what I really like, uh, you know, a a kind of position where you cover all levels of basketball. Your pulse is on the NBA. Uh, you watch college extremely closely uh, because one of your fortes is draft analysis and kind of projecting out where guys are going to go. And with that, you have to know who who are the really high level high school guys who are kind of right around the corner because. You know, with these new G League Ignite contracts happening with a lot of high school guys uh, deciding maybe to play in Australia like RJ Hampton and, and Lonzo Ball have done, um, information at an early age on these guys is at a premium. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Babcock Hoops and how that got structured and how that became to be. Yeah, so what happened was, you know, I decided to get out of the agency business and I, I was dealing with, with several NBA teams that are interested in hiring me and nothing came together. And uh, push came the shove. I talked to my wife and say, I just want out. I'm, I'm miserable. They, you know, being an agent, I, you know, I did it for 10 years, uh, and it just it didn't feel like a good fit for me. And, and you know, you know, you know, my uncle Pete and my family, you know, we're very ethical people. And you know, being an ethical guy as a sports agent is, uh, you know, is, is essentially like playing with with one arm tied behind your back. You know, and uh, and, and so I just I, it just wore me out. And so I, I got out. I started volunteer scouting for uh, Marty Blake and Associates, which is a scouting service that was put together by the NBA years ago. Uh, and essentially just paid my own way to, you know, go to games. I wrote reports for them. And during that time, uh, Sports Illustrated contacted me and wanted me to write a series of stories about the, the NBA draft, uh, the, the pre-draft process from an agent's perspective. So I wrote, I think, five or six articles for them. And that was sort of my entry point to the media. Uh, and from there, I, I just kind of got a lay of the land on scouting and the media and kind of how to kind of create some crossover between the two. And uh, came up with this, this crazy idea to launch Babcock Hoops. And I brought on uh, a handful of NBA scouts that were in between jobs. And we essentially operate like we're our own NBA front office covering the draft. Uh, and then uh, this past year, I, 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 uh, I uh, partnered up with basketballnews.com. So we took our whole operation of Babcock Hoops over to Basketball News and uh, I run their draft coverage and, and their scouting department. And as we're looking to scale it out, uh, we wanted to have it be multi-layered where we're going to have grassroots, international, the draft, and we're also going to do rookie coverage. Uh, and the idea behind all of it is the NBA draft essentially serving as like our Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the, the high school portion of it is, OK, we're just going to head start on things. I mean, I, I like like the idea of by the time these kids become imminent draft prospects, I already I already know all, everything about them. And now I'm just tracking their their progress. And then with rookies, it's uh, it's us kind of, you know, cross referencing, you know, what, what mistakes we might have made, where we got things right. Uh, so that way we can improve as uh, as evaluators for the draft. I remember reading those Sports Illustrated articles uh, on the role of an agent in the pre-draft, and it was it, it was eye-opening, I'm sure, for a lot of people who don't know the inner workings of that. But it brought back a lot of memories for me after my senior year at Gonzaga and preparing and getting ready for the draft. What's the biggest shock that that you think guys, when they declare for the draft, 
and then the day of the draft. What's the biggest shock for those guys? Um, let's see here. I mean, I think I think one thing, a huge misconception with the pre-draft and agents and players is that um, you know, everybody thinks agents have so much control over everything. And, and there's certain cases that they do. Uh, but for the most part and for most players, the representation are more of, of business managers. You know, as far as, you know, the, the draft goes, I mean, like for yourself, you're a late first round pick. I'm assuming you probably had to work out for a number of teams and it's more of advising you how to, how to you know, manage your schedule properly, which teams to prioritize, uh, kind of getting prepped for your interviews and, you know, what to expect. That, that's the biggest job for an agent. So I think a lot of players go into this, uh, this process with their agent thinking that they're going to move mountains and it's just not, not realistic. And I think it's a big reason, you know, a lot of players switch agents quickly. You know, I mean, there, there's so many guys that, that, you know, have second agents by the time the draft even happens. And so for me, that, that, that's usually the biggest surprise for players. With your time as a, as an agent, uh, obviously you're going to have friendly relationships with other agents. You're, you're going to have, I would imagine, kind of adversarial uh, relationships with other agents. Are, is there an agent or two that you looked at and said, you know what, that guy does it the right way. I respect how he's going about getting clients, representing his clients, um, and you really liked what they did. Yeah, the, the first guy that comes to mind is Sam Goldfeder. I mean, I've known him since I was in high school. He, he was the reason I, I took the job in the agency business in the first place. He's uh, he's Jeff Schwartz, right-hand man. He, he's just a really good guy. Uh, you know, my, my biggest regret in, in my career, and I'm one to not really have, have many regrets, uh, was leaving Excel Sports Management to, to work with Andy Miller. Um, you know, obviously, Andy, you know, it's been well documented, his involvement with some of the, the crooked part of the business. And, uh, you know, Sam, Sam's, you know, big agent, uh, you know, but it does does things does things the right way. And so he's he's a guy that I've always respected and, he, and he's done so much for me in my career. And so, um, you know, that's the, that's one guy that stands out as somebody as I look look up to. And how about a front office in the NBA? You know, there's there's teams that have stability. Um, and there's teams that have a lot of movement, you know, in the front office coaching as well as in the players uh, on the roster. But when you look from the front office side of things, is there a is there an organization that really stands out to you? You know, there, there's two that I, I really like how they do things. Uh, that that means San Antonio and Miami. And, and the the basic the basic idea that I that I believe in that that they execute is uh, is continuity. I mean, they they don't switch things up too much. That you know, they, they keep coaches intact. Uh, front office members, uh, they, they're not quick to trade their their draft picks. Uh, they, they let you know they believe in their in their protocols and they, and they stick to their guns. Uh, and I think the NBA they're they're too trigger happy across the board, whether that be coaches, you know, shaking up front office players. Um, you know, I, I, I think there, there's a huge thing to be said for for continuity, and that that's uh, you know that's your roster, that's your, and that's your staff too. Yeah, I would agree with the continuity piece. Um, you know, I look at Gonzaga as a college program and the staff that coach few is and i know tommy lloyd is, is moved on to arizona i want to get your take on that as a former arizona alum but you know he has had a a group of coaches that have been with him for a number of years and guys don't leave until they're absolutely ready to be head coaches and i think that speaks uh volumes for for a culture of an organization um but when you look at uh those organizations what would it take to get you uh, interested in going back to be part of a front office as opposed to what you're doing now? Because it sounds like uh, Babcock Hoops is, is really kind of doing some great things and you're really liking what you're doing. 
Yeah, you know, and the thing is, you know, with uh, Babcock Coops Basketball News, and I've got a number of different consulting deals. I mean, I, you know, everything I'm involved in right now is uh, is a lot of fun, and I'm essentially doing all the things that I would like to be doing for a team anyway. And so, uh, definitely going to keep the door open for that. But you know, my family and I were comfortable in Denver, uh, and I'm happy, and uh, things are going well. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't really have a great answer for that. But you know, going to work for an NBA team is always always somewhat of an option because I mean that's just been my dream since I was a kid. Uh, but it, it would probably take a, a pretty good deal to, to get me to do it. That's that sounds pretty similar to uh, myself when people ask if I would get into coaching or, or you know, <clears throat> front office stuff in the NBA. And I've had conversations with people, um, but nothing's made sense. It has to make sense. But I will never say no, as I'm sure you wouldn't. I don't want right. to put words in your mouth until you hear sure. more of what it would entail <clears throat> with all the changes in the NBA over the years of being able to go straight to high school and then you have the the one and done where you have to go to college and now you've got the G League Ignite team coming and, and other guys are finding ways to skirt the rules. NCAA is coming up with the name, image, likeness. I think that guys should be able to go straight to the NBA just like they did with Kevin Garnett, Kobe, and those guys in that era. Um, because I think the NBA is much more uh, prepared to to teach those guys and learn those guys, and I think there are more high school guys that have the the background from the AAU scene now as opposed to then to be ready for it. What what is your thought on that? You know, I have mixed emotions on that. I mean, you know, from my my uh, kind of putting my old agent hat on, I, I think if a player's got a market, you know, they should be allowed to get paid, whether that you know whatever age they might be. Uh, and then, then looking at from, you know, more, I guess, from my family standpoint of an NBA front office is, uh, you know, kind of protecting the game a little bit. I mean, we don't want a bunch of 18 year olds filling out locker rooms. I mean, they're kids. And so I think some kind of happy medium would make sense where, you know, they're allowed to get drafted. They're allowed to sign contracts. Maybe they have to spend two years in the G League or you know something like that, I think would, would make some sense. Um, you know, but it's, uh, you know, de definitely a, uh, a tough conversation because there, there's clear cut pros, pros and cons to, to both both ways. Yeah, without a doubt. There, there's lots of uh, pluses and minuses to all that. I want to go back to you being an Arizona alum. Sean Miller got left, let go. Uh, Tommy Lloyd, uh, Gonzaga assistant coach for 20 years, a good friend of mine, uh, takes that job. Um, I think he's the best assistant coach across the land in college basketball. And it was going to take a special job like Arizona to get him to leave Gonzaga. Uh, what's your take on, on the Arizona basketball hire of Tommy Lloyd? Yeah, no, I, I love it. You know, I, I don't know Tommy that well. I mean, I've said hello to him a few times. and uh, But it's funny, I, you know, I've scouted Gonzaga the last handful of years a ton. And, you know, he's felt like a head coach. Anyway, you know, he, he and few are both, you know, storming the sidelines and um, he's obviously prepared and, you know, high level recruiter. I mean, that's really, I mean, from the outside looking on in, it's been imperative to get in that, that program rolling. And so um, you know, I'm excited about to see what he can do as far as, you know, bringing in some talent. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think there, there needed to be a change. I mean, I, I like Sean Miller and, you know, we, we had some good years, you know, with him, but, you know, these last few years um, have just been rough. And, and to be honest, I was, I was surprised that he, he survived as long as he did. Uh, but, you know, it, it being, you know, being a wildcat, um, you know, excited, excited for this new, new chapter. And, um, you know, I'm actually curious of your, your thoughts <laughs> since you know him so well. Yeah, I think Tommy's going to do a, a tremendous job. I, I agree with you. He's basically been a head coach alongside Coach Few for a number of years. 
He is very innovative in trying different things on both ends of the floor. He's got a lot of European influence uh, on the offensive end. He was a big part of Gonzaga starting the trend of continuity ball screen. I think he's got got a, a great eye for evaluating of talent, both, you know, he started in Europe, got a number of high-level guys there, but he also knows the right guys to go after here in the States. So I think that name brand of Arizona is really going to help him uh, you know, open a lot of doors. And then I think player development wise, you know, he's really creative. Uh, you know, we've had a number of conversations over the years and it even went back to when, you know, I was a redshirt. He was, uh, you know, part of the program then and finding little small details in your game to work on, um, that are going to pay off down the road. You know, you might not tell a difference one week, or one month from now, but long-term, you're going to tell a difference. So I think he's going to do great there, and I'm excited for him. You know, one, one thing, too, with, uh, you know, just, again, outside looking on in with Gonzaga's program, one thing they seem to do very well is they they build teams. They build depth charts, and and they develop guys properly. And, you know, kind of uh, looking at how a lot of these schools do it, I mean, they, they fill out their staffs with recruiters, and they just want the highest-rated guys, and then they just, you know, make it work. It ends up being, being a sloppy mess, you know, and so I'm hoping he could bring that – to, to U of A and you know, really, really kind of put together teams that, that are synergized. Yeah. Yeah. I think he will. I mean, you look at a, a guy like Rui Hachimura for, for the wizards now. I mean, Tommy found him uh, at a FIBA tournament. Um, Rui comes to campus. He's got all the potential in the world, the athleticism, the raw natural skill. Um, but they had a plan for him. Like, Hey, if we bring him along slowly, right. you could be this. Rui right. bought in, and by the third year, his junior year, you know, he, he's a borderline All-American. Well, he was yeah. an All-American. He's a lottery pick. Yeah, I, I remember mean, watching it. Uh, I watched him his uh, sophomore year. I was at uh, University of San Diego, sitting courtside, mm-hmm. watching Tommy run, run the run the sidelines, which, which I, I still think is really funny that his assistant was doing that. But um, And Rui was the man. And you could tell they had a, a progression plan for him. They, they didn't play him probably as much as he should have. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, they plan on him coming back his junior year. And, you know, it really worked out for that kid. I, I'm surprised they've gotten so many kids to buy into that, but hey, more, more power to them. Yeah, I mean, DeMontis Simonis is another example. As a freshman, you know, he, he didn't start. And I think he was playing behind Karnowski and Kyle Wilcher, guys that are playing in, in Europe successfully. Um, but, you know, just progressively kind of show the path and then you're going to have success. Last question, Matt, before – I let you go. Um, who's your top five in in your most current mock draft? Because there's going to be a lot of movement between now when we record this on uh, May 26th and the NBA draft, which it's in July now, which seems odd because it's always kind of right around the 25th of June. Yeah. So we right now we uh, we've got Cade Cunningham going number one to Houston, uh, Evan Mobley number two to Detroit. Uh, number three, we have uh, Jalen Green going to Orlando, and then um, just recently they did the tiebreaker, so we need we need to update our mock draft. But uh, currently we had uh, uh, Kaminga going number four to Cleveland, uh, which Oklahoma City got that spot, so we we would move up Jalen Suggs to number four uh, uh, with with uh, Oklahoma City. Um, but th- those are our top five. A couple pretty good names in the mix there. I'm glad that you got a Gonzaga guy in the right. mix and. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure if we have this conversation again uh, next year, which hopefully we will, there might be another Gonzaga guy in the top oh, five. Chet, hey, Chet, Chet is uh, is a guy to be excited excited for. That that guy could play, man. 
Absolutely. Well, Matt, I appreciate the time. I wish you nothing but the best of luck with uh, Babcock Hoops and and that to continue to grow. I, I do follow you on a number of different social media platforms, and I think you got some tremendous insights. So thank you for joining. No, thanks, Dan. Keep, keep in touch. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.